If parenthood came with a GPS, it would most likely just say recalculating. Join Yulandi Becker and her guest experts Wednesdays at 11 a.m. for Bump and Beyond 101.9 megahertz of life. You are on 101.9 High FM. This is Bump and Beyond and I'm your host Yulandi Becker. This show, as you know, is all about parenting and today we need to talk about those dreaded drop-offs. As the new year is approaching, of course, it's that back to normal routine and back to school, back to kindergarten, back to day mother, back to nanny, mom has to go back to work situation. And with that comes the not so nice part of dropping off our kids, the anxiety, the tears, the meltdowns that we have when we leave or when we drop them off at school. I have to say, personally, this is something that I really don't miss about small children is that dreaded drop off after especially a long holiday. And some children really struggle with separation problems after a long holiday. That's what we want to talk about today is that separation anxiety. Even children who thoroughly and properly enjoy school can still struggle with all of a sudden again, waking up, getting out the door. It's even us, obviously we have to get used to getting back into the routine and that can cause you know, stress in the morning again. And then kids also feel this stress. And being away from their parents um, and always being on at school, especially after a long break of being together all the time is a struggle. And you know those separation anxiety, like, cues and things I don't really have to explain to them, but they cling to you. They cry. They protest when you try to leave. They cling to your leg. They burst into tears when you return and they're super happy. They want to be constantly by your side when you're home. So after a long holiday, all you want is a little bit of quiet. Luckily, we know we can have two emotions at the same time, be grateful that they love us so much and be annoyed by them. But they also, some kids have extreme separation anxiety where it's more like they can even have stomach aches from it. There are various causes of the separation anxiety. Some a little bit more prevalent, others less so. As I mentioned, going back to school, saying goodbye can cause separation anxiety. Toddlers especially, they're working towards autonomy, being, you know, independent, using their own bodies independently. And with every new challenge they face, it can cause a little bit of stress. And as a result, they can feel conflicted about being away from the security of their parents. Toddlers need reassurance that when you leave, you will always come back. Also during the holiday season, it was lots of large gatherings with family and friends. And that by itself, can also cause your toddler or your baby to feel anxiety and a little bit of stress. And then they like Velcro, once again, a little bit annoying when they're with you all the time and you just want them to go play with their friends. And by the time, isn't that true? Hey? By the time you leave, then they're having the best time and then they have a meltdown that you want to leave. Isn't it fun? Even going to sleep can be cause meltdowns and a little bit of separation anxiety for toddlers. 
when they have to be in their home, uh, in their room by themselves all night. So those are some of the things that can cause this clinginess. And we're going to go into a lot more detail with my expert guest today, Elsa Struvi, who's a social worker, play therapist, and mother of two. It's going to be a great conversation because this is something that is like a yo-yo. It comes and goes from six months to three years. And you will have numerous, numerous, numerous separation anxiety bouts that come and go. And it's sometimes very interesting how it comes about. So I'm very excited to speak to her about it, learn more about separation anxiety and see how we can manage and try to make these drop-off situations slightly easier for all of us. Because it is, like I said, very normal part of children's development and they they do eventually grow out of it even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it's ever going to end specifically recalling uh, a time I think my daughter was about two and a half and I left and she was standing by the gate holding onto the gate like she was in prison screaming mama mama and luckily my husband did tell me like one minute later he sent me a message saying no she's fine but it's very we feel guilty and I mean mother's guilt is already I think as soon as you find out you're pregnant it starts and this situation is really hard on us I recall a couple of times after school drop-off sitting outside in the car crying so very relevant topic, needed topic. I'm looking excited. I'm very excited for this conversation. <laughs> if parenthood came with a GPS, it would most likely just say recalculating. Join Yulandi Becker and her guest experts Wednesdays at 11 a.m. for Bump and Beyond 101.9 megahertz of life. You are on 101.9 High FM. I am Yulandi Becker, and this is Bump and Beyond. And as I mentioned earlier, the new year is very steadily approaching. And with it comes, obviously, back to school and dropping off our kids. And I told the story about me dropping off um, or leaving the house and my daughter standing at the gate. But I can also recall many, many times of dropping off my kids at school and there have been lots of tears. I always remained strong and resilient, but when I got into the car, I also had a little small mini breakdown. So much so because there's a camera outside my kid's school that the one teacher actually phoned me afterwards to find out if I was okay. So those things also happen. That so if you have a camera at your school, maybe just go around the corner and cry so that everyone doesn't have video evidence of it. But that's exactly what we're talking about today is separation anxiety. It can be difficult to leave your baby at a nursery school or in someone else's care. You, you may feel distressed by the tears and the worry about the effect that it has on your child. Remember, it's only natural and uh, natural for your baby to feel anxious without you. And there's no reason to feel guilty when you need to go do other things as part of your life. It's probably 
a sign if there's severe separation anxiety. I assume we're going to talk about that just now that you've bonded quite well. So you should be flattered that they want to be spending a lot of time with you. And that's what we're talking about today. So hello, Elsa. Elsa is joining me. Elsa is a social worker, play therapist and mother of two, Elsa Strubig. Thank you, Elsa. Hi. Hi, Yulandi. Thanks for having me on the show. Yes, no, thanks for joining me because I do think this is such a relevant topic. I mentioned it earlier as well. It's separation anxiety. The reality of it is is that it comes and goes like a yo-yo from six months to three years, probably, maybe even longer. What is separation anxiety? Well, I think um, it's very important, and and as you mentioned, that there's normal separation anxiety, this in and out um, fluency going back to school. You never know where it comes from. And then there's really clinical separation anxiety. Um, And it's important to differentiate uh, between the two. So separation anxiety, what, what differentiated from normal anxiety is if the child separates from the parent, um, he feels so insecure and vulnerable, um, stressed out. So what usually happens is, is the, the, the physical signs are there first. So parents would ask me, isn't it manipulation? You know, uh, is, it, is this child naughty? Didn't he sleep well? Well, that's also, you know, part of it the can reason. add on to it. <laughs> it can for sure add on. Um, but with separation anxiety, with, uh, with anybody that experiences anxiety, the symptoms are the same. So the child suddenly, um, the heart starts beating faster. Um, children get stomach ache. That's one, one big, big telltale. Um, uh, they feel the tears welling up and somehow between that, the child feels that his body goes into fight and flight. And the only place that he gets that security from is with the, with the primary carer. So a lot of times we get, if dad drops off, no tears. No tears. <laughs> no tears. And there's always that suspicion that dad is either not caring or the child's not playing up with dad. But the separation is specifically most of the time, not always, most of the time from the primary carer. So the child experiences um, um, elevated feeling of heartbeat going too fast, feeling nauseous, not getting breath. And suddenly it's an anxiety boom out. And I I mean, it's so interesting that you're saying also with the stomachache, I feel like kids from not even just with anxiety, with all sicknesses, it's always, it's like, if they're not feeling well, my stomach hurts. In the gut. In the gut. Because of all those, yeah, um, like nerves and everything endings going to the stomach. So listen to your child when they're speaking to you. (laughs) But why does it happen? Why, why, why is it happening? There's different reasons for that. So say, for example, let's take our grade R's. Okay, so now the schools make, they really make an effort to make the children feel um, that when they come, the, the environment is, is most likely familiar. So the child's very excited to go to grade R. Um, everything is fine, knows the teacher, knows the school grounds, grade R is on the premises, uh, skipping in, and suddenly the body decides, whoa, this is new, and I have to beat fast. 
And now what happens? The association with schoolies, if I go to this place, this is how I feel. So uh, a blueprint is formed in the brain. This is unsafe. And it's not a conscious decision. I think that's the important thing. That's why I keep on referring to the body and the nervous system because the amygdala in the brain that's responsible for an, an anxiety reaction is not in the clever part of the brain. It's not in the new cortex. It's not the smart brain. In actual fact, the smart brain switches off when the, the amygdala switches on, which is in the midbrain. So it's, it's our animal nature. So then there's a pattern formed, okay? It's like yes. animals. They know if they go to that side of, of the bush, there's danger. They know they shouldn't. They've got a blueprint. One time they were scared there, so now they refrain from going there. And this is exactly the same. Yeah. So that could be that. It could also be that, and there's, there's more serious uh, reasons why, it could be that um, things are not okay at home. Maybe there was a fight at, at home the day before, the night before. Um, it could be due to, to previous trauma. It could be due to the fact that the child's got um, anxiety in terms of performance. It could be manipulation. There's so many reasons why. Um, parents always bring the children and say, please find out my child went to school and suddenly she doesn't want to go to school after the June holidays. What has happened at school? Find out, I suspect, the teacher. And the poor teacher is trying desperately to get no. everything into place. But a lot of times it's just it's just a reaction that we cannot place directly where, where why, how. Children regulate from the parent. It's it's normal. And That's it is also, especially after holiday time, I feel that we are also getting back into the new Ooh. routine. And sometimes mm -hmm. those first that first week, it's a little bit stressed, a little bit rushed because you're not into exactly. the routine yet. And exactly. obviously they feel that stressness, that rushness, mm. but so excited for this conversation. I've got lots more questions to come. <laughs> <laughs> If parenthood came with a GPS, it would most likely just say recalculating. Join Yulandi Becker and her guest experts Wednesdays at 11 a.m. for Bump and Beyond, 101.9 megahertz of life. If you've just joined us, you are on 101.9 High FM. This is Bump and Beyond and I'm Yulandi Becker and I'm chatting with Elsa Struvig today, our expert for today talking about separation anxiety, going back to school, doing the drop-off, let's be prepared or try to be prepared mm. next year. It's actually in a couple of days. Let's be prepared and try to have it. But you mentioned before that there is a difference between just general clinginess mm. and mm. severe separation anxiety. Uh, what is that? How would we notice the difference? Well, I think the the most important thing um, to to know is that children three years and and below, it's normal for them. They are actually not, and and with this that, that I'm saying this is is not to let anybody feel guilty because I mean that's not what it's about. But children under the age of three. Actually, you know, when it was primal years, should not be able to separate from parents. It's natural for them to experience separation anxiety. That's actually what I'm saying. Yes. So, and, and they shouldn't separate unless it's necessary, being going to school, 
um, and so forth and so on. So below the age of three, it is still within normal limits. When is it not in normal limits? It's not in normal limits when the child, the whole day, this separation from mommy is impairing his functioning. Being sitting on the teacher's lap, crying, doesn't want to partake, um, you know, standing just at the fence, looking when mommy is coming. Oh, so it's really um, like influencing their like kind of daily interaction yeah. and normal interaction. So, if, for example, your child screamed the, the roof off at school. I mean, the teacher had to tear him off. You go, like you said, you're sitting in the car and you're waiting in anticipation. Am I doing emotional damage? And while you're sitting in the car, teacher says, everything is fine. He's playing with uh, Archie in the back, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, it's just that initial break. Yeah. That is, it's anticipation for the novel new day. And trans for some children, transition in general is very difficult. Yes. So, and, and they do love mommy and they feel still feel secure, but they can move on. When is it when is it a problem then is when it's impairing functioning. Anything is a problem when it's impairing functioning. We know that there's also like specific age, ages where development happens, mm. uh, it, mm. you know, like these wonder weeks or whatever you want mm. to call them. Mm. Is there specific kind of ages where you could say now it's more prevalent separation anxiety? Is there like a correlation between specific ages? Like I know seven months initially, they start around there, seven, eight, nine between months. seven and nine months. Yeah. Um, and then again, between 15 and 18 months. Uh, that's when they when they can do object um, object relation. In other words, whoa, okay, I'm a person separated from mommy, so I can function on my own. It's wonderful, but so so scary. Yes. So so those are big, and then of course under the age of four months, it is yes. also prevalent. But those are two big um, big stages, and then again when we send them to school between two and a half and three years. Yes. Uh, it's exactly that age because they are more autonomic, um, but the, it's there's a lot that they learn in that stage if you think about it. Mm. So brain development is just booming in that stage. They learn to speak properly. They learn to use the, the potty. Um, they used to, a lot of times, sleep now on their own. There's a, there's a lot of times a new baby, yeah. which is another cause you know so there's many many things that makes that age groups within normal limits to to separate no and i mean so, we, we know that toddlers obviously as well are emotional beings so they got to react emotionally with everything and if they're absolutely. learning a new skill doing new things absolutely. add on to it leaving mom and a new baby Exactly. They are allowed to be a little they bit are allowed to be upset. And and that thinking part of the brain or, or the clever brain is only fully developed where in boys at 26 and girls at 24. And I always remind parents of that because we 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 tend to expect adult type of regulation yes. for bodies that's 23, 24 years way, 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 um, a long way from there. Yeah. Uh, and they cannot regulate that upper part of the of the brain yet. Yeah, so that thinking true. brain needs to regulate the emotional brain, yes. but it's just yes. not happening. It <laughs> cannot happen. It's physically, I tell parents, it's physically not possible. But saying that, 
we should also remember, although it's not possible, we need to start the process of teaching. Mm. So although they struggle to regulate or to separate um, from the age of three upwards, we need to teach them that. Yeah. Uh, we cannot expect it to kick in at 24. <laughs> you will sit with your child in the house at 30 yeah. because it's nice and it's nice to allow your emotions to, re- to, to get out there. So to, to, to know is to understand, but it's not necessary to allow. I understand. So if you've just joined us, I'm speaking to Elsa Strubich. This is 101.9 High FM and Bump and Beyond. So thank you so much, um, for joining me and Elsa, because we're talking about a very relevant topic here, separation anxiety and preparing ourselves mentally and with some tips just now about how we can deal with the separation. Do you mention now a couple of ages that it's more prevalent, the separation anxiety, but how long is the normal range? I mean, should it be like three days that you're dropping off and it's a, no. should it be a week? Should it be months? When, when does it become not normal anymore? So I usually tell parents when they phone, because I mean, um, it's always, it's always quiet in this regard in the practice, the first week. <laughs> and then when it comes in, it's all about separation anxiety. And I, I always, I give it at least four to six weeks. Oh, and wow. That's a long time. <laughs> Progressively see if it gets better, although not going away, or is it getting worse? If it's getting worse, we immediately um, step in. But if it's progressively getting better, so teachers say now is is not crying even a minute after mommy left, um, then we. But we must allow some some um, room for adaptation you know if you don't allow a child to adapt to the new environment and some kids just take a longer time like I said how can we allow grown-ups to say things like you know I don't like new situations so therefore everybody must be tolerant because I don't like but yet children are not allowed they need to be in the structured a way of of behavior yeah. and, and i mean it, i love how you always bring it back to how adults behave as well because if you started a new job obviously it takes a while before you get used to the new situation okay. and it also every time even me with the radio mm. station been over a month now and still i'm mm. like a little bit nervous uh, when i get on and things like that i'm not just content and happy so it is it goes away luckily very quickly especially when I speak to but I mean that's the same thing for kids we do need to allow them to have time and I mean for us you know a month is a very small part Mm -hmm. of my life but for a two-year-old a month or six weeks is is a very 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 long time and what you but but what you do in that month or six weeks that's going to make the difference. Though. What should we be doing, Elsa? <laughs> so <laughs> I think, I think, you know, Ilani, what was very interesting when we were still in lockdown and the kids, I, I personally suspected because all the toddlers were at home, I think until August, September, 2020. Yes. And I suspected, oh, goodness, this is going to be a bomb out, guys. Stand really on guard. I had all my therapists being on guard. And nothing. The kids didn't struggle to go back to school, much less 
not all of them, but much less referrals for separation anxiety. That's interesting. (laughs) Interesting, because we suspect that they loved staying at home. You know, I can go on forever. What what happened in a toddler's life in lockdown? But the difference was what? The teachers had to stand at the gate. Ah, we didn't walk in with the kids. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not saying you should not walk in with your kid. I'm just saying it's easier to say. Think of yourself when you you drop off somebody at the airport. What happens when you drop somebody off at the airport? You're the one that's crying. The one that's going away, (laughs) goes through, you know, goes through and customs and doing everything, excited, blah, blah, blah. And it's exactly the same. The one that if you are the one walking away, you are more in control. If somebody walks away from you, it feels like such a loss. And, and that's exactly what happens, you know. And that's we drop our kids off at, uh, in the classroom. So we should because we should make sure that they are safe. But what do you do after you enter the classroom? So what a lot of parents will do, because we, we really don't want to, to, to cause any or do any harm. So we stay in the classroom sometimes. Okay, mommy oh. was I just stay until I eat my porridge. Okay, I'm staying now. Okay, okay. I will stay. I, you can sit on my lap while teacher reads the story. And the teachers, a lot of times, it's it's um, because it's causing havoc in the classroom. So they allow it a lot of times. So, so then you sit until story time. Tomorrow, you've got a meeting at 8. So oh. there's no way that you can stand. So what are you causing? Unpredictability. That's the one thing, is drop off and go. Okay, so even if you want to stay, it's better to drop off and go. I also feel that it shows that you have confidence in the teachers and the situation. Exactly, and that's my second point. You know, if you say goodbye, you can have little rituals, a kiss here, kiss here, kiss on the nose, love you long time, goodbye, you know, something like that. A little little ritual always helps. But to say something, you know that you are safe. A teacher's going to look well after you. Mommy's coming back at 12 o'clock. Mommy promises she's coming back at 12 o'clock. You're going to have a nice time. You're going to play. And teacher, what are you saying? I'm also not really confident. (laughs) Let let me be convinced to convince you. Mm. So you're not portraying confidence. I always tell the story, which I don't think is true, but it makes so much sense. It was this scientist who said that he wanted to to do an experiment on chicks. So he took two chicks because chicks, you know, are not very difficult to scare. So he had both of them in a box and they were pecking and, and browsing and grazing. And then he took one and he scared the one. And he put him in the box, facing the other one that's still walking around. It was a couple of seconds. And then he got up and he also walked around. Then he scared both chicks and put them lying to look at each other. And they were looking like, okay, you're still lying. So I'm still lying. So not safe. So I'm not safe. And they they lay there for quite a while. Um, And I think that the message in terms of that is if you portray that you are confident in this process, then the child will know. Mommy's in control because that's what you remember they co-regulate from you. Yeah. So then they get the message. Okay, okay, now this I can do this. Which means not saying more than 10 words when you leave. Ah. You prep you. So you're not over talking, overthinking. So what all that you're doing, you're escalating the anxiety. 
Yeah, and stretching it out, that anticipation of what's to come. I think sometimes the anticipation is worse than the actual thing happening. Exactly that, because it's only the transition, you know. Mm. It's only that transition that's hard. And remember what I said in the beginning, that the new cortex, which is the clever part of the brain, goes offline or uh, the working of it is minimalized when the amygdala, which is in the midbrain, is activated, which is our defense mechanisms. So you are trying to speak to something that's offline. So it's not working, guys. It's really not working. So I'd rather get a little ritual um, da, 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 that makes predictability. And yes. Off. yes. And then what about when you come back? Should you have, because lots of people say you should be overly excited when you come back. No, it's and necessary because then you're saying, oh my goodness, thanks. This day has been passed for both of us. <laughs> you convey the message that what, that what you are doing now at school is important. It's fun. It's good to be there. Oh. I know it's good to be there. You know it's good to be there. So you enter calmly. Remember the word co-regulation. If you are up in the child will up. Yes. And I mean, I think that's also for you now saying that co-regulation again, I feel that mm. if you're, I mean, you're not talking about the over talking and whatever at the drop off, but I think the whole journey to school, if yeah. you're rushed and stressed out, your kids Absolutely. are rushed. And I, and that's why I think also things like, you know, that suicide hour at the yeah. end of the long day happens mm. is because our kids are really feeding off our emotions and oh. how we're feeling. And if we're stressed out at the end of the day, they are going to be stressed out and exactly. irritable. And then it's just this helping each other out in the wrong way situation <laughs> that happens. Exactly. So a lot of things can happen in the morning. Mm. That hour before you go to school, a lot of things can go wrong, if you can put it like that. So we must remember it's children with an uh, uh, underdeveloped neocortex. They do want to play in the mornings. You know what? Who decided pajamas is the way to go? So it already starts with getting dressed. Yes. Having, having a young child, three, four-year-old who wants to do stuff by themselves, makes their own children. They're, they're taking initiative. Old Eric Erickson, it's, he said, you know, that's the phase where children wants to take initiative. So now standing in front of the, the cupboard, being apprehensive about the day. So the choice starts with clothes. So <laughs> See, they then, already have decision fatigue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then it's the hair. Then which, which porridge they want to eat. Then mommy is rushed, so she sees that the clock is ticking. So it's hurry, 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 hurry. So by the time you get into the car, all neurons are standing up together. Yeah. So it's like, so what? Because what does a child do immediately when he's upset? He turns to the primary carer. So yeah. now dropping off is not the way to, so it's just, it's everything is rushed. So yeah. rather do you can do, sorry, small things to make that better. Like, like I said, who decided pajamas is pajamas, you know, yeah. if they sleep in the clothes that they're going with tomorrow, it's fine. If he wants to go in the clothes that he slept in, that actually is pajamas. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> stuff, it's comfortable. I wish I could go with my pajamas every day. So don't sweat the small stuff. Especially and when I they're think, small. Yeah. And we are guilty as adults because we want this image. 
of this child for the teacher. The teacher and for everyone else, that's true. Okay. So, you know, it's little things like that. Um, I've got a colleague who's got twins, <laughs> and they sleep in their in the school clothes. <laughs> they're in nursery school, but they sleep in their school clothes in the morning. And they wake up and they have to eat and they brush teeth and they brush hair. <laughs> Sounds like a very simple solution for this situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a rule of thumb, but I think it's just small things like that, you know, yeah. um, to make your mornings easier, to wake up a little bit earlier. I know we are all day tired, but it could make your day easier. Definitely, uh, I agree. Um, that whole thing of choices, either or. You know, not saying, yes, your wardrobe and you have free range. No, that can Maybe cannot. just putting their clothes out in the morning. Yeah, exactly I used to do like that. that. My daughter would get up and she would just get dressed because the clothes right. would be there. So easy. the choice is already made. <laughs> easy. Refrain. Refrain from allowing them to watch TV in the morning. It has no benefit. But if you are in the middle of Grey's Anatomy or whatever you are watching and somebody says, right, uh, now it's time to go for a Zoom meeting. You are going to protest a little bit. So you <laughs> expect that from them. Yes. In the middle yes. of a program, okay, now it's done. And parents would say stuff like, yes, but then they eat their, their food, then I can get ready. I hear your heart and I hear what you are saying, but you're making in the long term your morning difficult. So rather get a different way of getting ready and getting the porridge in their stomachs. They're not going to die. So get a better routine. It's going to make your day better. And this is already helping a lot. Thanks so much, Elsa. <laughs> if parenthood came with a GPS, it would most likely just say recalculating. Join Yulandi Becker and her guest experts Wednesdays at 11 a.m. for Bump and Beyond 101.9 megahertz of life. If you've just joined us, you are on 101.9 High FM, and this is Bump and Beyond, and I'm Yulandi Becker, chatting with social worker, play therapist, mom of two, Elsa Strubig, about separation anxiety, and we've already shared so much great information for you to use uh, when you're now going back to school, getting back into it, and a lot of it is, you know, from the beginning of the morning, just preparing yourself and your child mentally, being you yourself regulated, which then helps to co-regulate your toddler or your small child. It's important. Another thing that I'm wondering about is because um, for personally, my daughter, when she was sleeping, she was always sleeping with a little taglet. We called it the lolly. Um, and she, in the beginning, actually went to school with, her lolly. She had it in her bag. And then later, stopped. is that okay? Is that okay to send a comfort open with your child? For sure. I, like I said earlier on, you, we must remember that uh, separation is not natural for a child um, in, in the nursery school age. So to, to send something, to send them uh, a tissue only with your perfume on, or one of your, yeah, or make a, a little bracelet with beads and putting that on. Just a token of that mommy's here, mommy's yeah. present, just a little reminder is perfect. Um, they are still developing, so we can't expect them to, they're not in military camp. <laughs> so 
unless the teacher says that it is um, not conducive for learning or whatever, the child only wants to sit with his with his comfort and doesn't want to play with the other kids or whatever. Uh, and then, but by that time, in any case, I think it's it's good to to seek professional help. Is that like some of the red flags that we should be looking out for? Um, if the separation anxiety goes on for longer than it should, yeah. you're, it's influencing your child's obviously activities during the day. Yeah. Is it fine like if it's one day for like the first day, if your child seems a little bit off when you come back? I always felt like sometimes my children after the first day of school, they were happy to see me, but they seemed a little bit, I don't know if it was just exhausted. It, I'll think it, yeah. That's, is that also kind of normal? That is 100% normal. And and I think it's, again, so important to realize that so going into a new and novel situation. Now, you must remember, you go to your work and maybe, you know, you've you've done it for a long time. You're going to a new job. You've, you went and um, studied whatever or learned your skills to do that. They're learning new skills every year. Yeah. It ex- it's expected of them. Uh, there's things that, that they need to do. There's outcomes that needs to happen. So the anticipation, they don't see school as just plain. So <laughs> the anticipation of what the year is going to, everything is new. Yeah. From the future, the only thing that's not new is 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 the environment maybe, but the classroom is new. Uh, what is expected is new. The friends a lot of times in class is new. Maybe they're not with their friends of last year. So there's so many variables that we need to consider. So that's why I come back to the four to six weeks. It takes a while for them to get used to and we should allow yeah. it. I think sometimes we forget that kids are also little human beings. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It, it sounds silly, but it is really sometimes we underestimate and overestimate them and we don't yeah, give them the grace that yeah but we don't give them the grace that we expect to have for ourselves yeah. so and we yeah. are allowed to be individuals when we're adults but we're not allowed to be individuals when we're young yeah no it's very interesting it's been such a great conversation i've got one last question that i want to ask you about the separation anxiety if it's this kind of extreme separation anxiety is it something that can actually influence the development of your child? What is the interventions yeah. that you need to, what what do you need to do when you see these red flags? What what should happen? When, when you see the red flags, there's only one option, and that is to seek professional help from somebody who knows how to address anxiety in general. Yes. Because you must always remember, and now we're talking about general separation anxiety, but if it's clinical, 30 to 40% of any predisposition to um, to have anxiety is inherited. Okay? Oh, wow. So, yeah, so, so if you're might- personally struggling with it, there is a chance that your child could be. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> and it's not the type of anxiety. It's just to, to anxiety, whether mm. it's coming out as OCD or general anxiety or phobia or whatever. So um, so we need to know that then it should be addressed in a, in a clinical setting uh, where there's um, homework and I always say cognitive behavioral play therapy is the way to go. And it is so, so treatable. Mm. I always tell parents this is the one condition that is extremely treatable. Oh, that's good news. That's very good yeah. news. 
<laughs> yeah. Because remember, it's all about the the how it's coded in the brain and our neuropathway. So if there's a neuropathway of school is dangerous, then it's going to follow that pathway. So we need mm. to find another pathway. And it's empowering the child, you know. I wanted and to say, is this not also going to help them then to to deal with anxiety in the future, mm. giving them some tools that they could use to For be sure. dealing with this, probably helping them into adulthood. Exactly, because, I mean, you cannot take it away. It's It can pop up anywhere if yes. you've got a position for anxiety. So it would be wonderful to be equipped to know how to do your breathing, What what's the messages that you give yourself, you know. Um, I always tell parents, there's a couple of words and phrases that you can use repetitively, like what's the worst thing that can happen? And we can always make a plan. That always helps a child that's anxious. Yeah. Because, okay, so, so the child comes and, and now he's separating and he struggles to separate every day because he's scared you're not going to fetch him. And you know by your heart you will never forget your child. Yeah. <laughs> and now what are you doing? What are you saying? You've never been late. These moms are so distraught. They would tell me, but I've never been late in my life. I would say, okay, but you keep on retelling that to an anxious brain, which is offline. Mm. So what do you say? Okay. Say, for instance, something happens and mommy is late. What plan can you make? So you throw it around. Ah, you make them think a bit about it. Using their thinking brain a bit, not just the emotional brain. <laughs> exactly. And you allow that because you want to reassure. Let me tell you, your reassurance not helping. It's giving them the message that you don't understand because you don't understand what they're feeling. So to ask, okay, what plan can you make? No, I can ask teacher, okay, and then what? And then what? And then what? So that they've got a plan at hand. Okay, now we've got a plan. Let's draw a picture of that plan. Allow the child to draw. It doesn't have to look real life. Even the plan doesn't have to be something that's, I mean, you just have, you fold up the piece of paper or whatever, put it in a card format, put it on a key ring, put it in the, in the suitcase, hang it on the suitcase, whatever. He's got a plan. Uh, and we'll see that it's going better. This has been super, super interesting. Unfortunately, we've run out of time, Elsa, because I think I could talk about this the whole time because you're preparing us so great for this dropping off. I wish I knew all these things. I think I, most of it I did pretty well, but it's been really great. If you've missed this conversation with Elsa Strubich, don't worry. It is available on our website, www.hifm.com as a podcast afterwards. So make sure that you go listen to it. It's been lovely chatting with you, Elsa. Have a wonderful Thanks, day. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> If parenthood came with a GPS, it would most likely just say recalculating. Join Yulandi Becker and her guest experts Wednesdays at 11 a.m. for Bump and Beyond, 101.9 megahertz of life. I hope, like me, you feel a lot more prepared for the school drop-offs coming in in the new year, getting back into routine few kind of habits. It's been really great chatting with you. If you've missed this, remember this and other podcasts are available on our website on www.highfm.com. You can listen to this podcast and many of our others that we've had this year. 
I am looking to forward to next week speaking to you in the next year. Um, join me as I speak to ENT Dr. Nina DeToy about ears, ear infections, and adenoids. Going back to school, unfortunately, brings about all sorts of germs which can add to these types of situations. It's going to be a great conversation, so I'm looking forward to talking about that. There is a bond, it appears, between mother and child, which endures as long as they do. It is independent of love, reason cannot weaken it, hate cannot destroy it. None of us know the best combination of things to do for our children. More often than not, as parents, we just close our eyes and hope for the best. Some might call this faith. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, in the new year, enjoy your day.